0: Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Lord Jesus, we come before you tonight. And Lord, we decree and declare that we hold nothing back from you. We prayed about the Spirit of Christ. That lives within us. You'll cause us to yield completely to the fullness of your purpose. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Let's have a sit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Alright. Let's, let's have a sit. Let's get ready for the word. Today it's a good day. Praise God. Okay, so... We are doing a a series on the Wednesday Bible Studies on, uh, I'd like to call it the How To Series, the How To Series, and we talked about how to maintain a consistent word life, praise God, and then we talked about how to maintain a consistent, what, prayer life, praise God, and then we talked about how to maintain a consistent word, fast in life. Now you have to go through this series and go over them, praise God, and go over them again and go over them again, and renew your mind regarding this. And this is very important because uh, they are not just teachings to listen to one time and forget them. The idea is for them to develop or help you to come to the discipline of a consistent life in these regards. Whether it's praying, whether it's the word, or uh, fasting, whatever it is. A lot of believers do not have consistency in their spiritual walk. Praise God. So there are times in their life where they pray, and then there are times they don't pray. And there are times in their life where they fast, and there are times where they don't fast. There are times in their life where they study the Word and there are times where they don't study the Word. Now, the Lord spoke to Sister Gloria Gloria Copeland, the wife of uh, Brother Kenneth uh, Kenneth Copeland, and says, In consistency lies the power. Everybody say, In consistency lies the power. Say it one more time. Say, In consistency lies the power. Now, what you're not consistent in, you cannot be matured in. Write that down. What I'm not consistent in, I cannot be matured in. If you want to develop maturity in anything, you have to develop what? Consistency. If I want to, uh, uh, without consistency, there's no growth. If you don't feed on the word consistently, you can't grow spiritually. And so it's important for you to understand that growth is a product of consistent practice. Consistent practice. If I can get you to be consistent about certain areas of your life, I can get you to become matured in those areas. Glory to the name of the Lord. So today, we're talking about how to develop or maintain a consistent giving life. How do you bring... uh, When you talk about a lifestyle, you're talking about the culture of a people or the habits. How do you maintain or consistent giving life? How do you come to the point where you're giving regularly and consistently and you're doing it properly? Now, I'll read a few scriptures. I think I've done a series on New Testament giving before. It's a four-part series. You can go to the website and download it and listen to it again. But I want to give you very practical things in this series. Now... uh, Every aspect of the things I'm teaching, fasting, word, prayer, uh, and giving, these are things that the Lord requires of you. They are not optional. They are required. Glory to the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, so I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and share a few thoughts. Make sure you look at your Bibles. And I'll give you some very practical ways on how to develop a consistent giving life. And I'm trusting the Lord that God will use this message to bless the body of Christ. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 2. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 2. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 2. The Bible says, when you give to someone in need, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do. Blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets so call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. Praise God. Come on, are you there? It says, when you give. It didn't say if. It says when you give. It didn't say if. It says when you do what? When you give. It says when you give to someone in need. Do not do as the hypocrites do Blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets To call attention to their acts of charity I tell you the truth They have received all the reward they would ever get So the Bible did not say if you give It says when you give What does this mean? This means that God requires you to be a giver Come on somebody say God requires me To be a giver that's important. Say it one more time. Say, God requires me to be a giver. So, giving is required of the Lord. Praise God. Giving is what? Is required of the Lord. Of uh, the, the Lord requires us to be givers. So, what are some of the things we pick from here? Number one, the Lord expects us to give. It didn't say if you give. It says when you give. So, the Lord expects us to give. Number two, He expects us to give not as the hypocrites. The Lord expects us not to give as the hypocrites. And how do we give as the hypocrites? When we blow our trumpets, praise God, and call attention to our acts of charity. The Lord doesn't want us to give and call attention to our acts of charity. Anonymous giving is kingdom giving. He doesn't want us to blow our trumpets. He says, if you do this, you have, rewar- you have received your reward. He says, I'll tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. What does this mean? Praise God. Now, one of the things that you must understand about uh, giving is this. There are rewards that goes with giving. I've heard people teach, well, I don't give so I can get anything. You know, I just give uh, because I love. God has promised a reward for giving. Don't be more righteous than God. You don't give to get, but God has said there is a reward for giving. And so if you're giving... Put your faith out there to receive your reward. Praise God. Come on, I said, praise God. So, the Lord wants us to give. Number two, the Lord doesn't want us to blow our trumpets when we give. He doesn't want us to uh, showcase to the world when we give. He, he doesn't want us to call attention to our acts of charity. And then, if we do that, we have received all the reward we'll ever get. When those likes come, when those comments come, when those claps come, then we've received all the rewards we'll ever get. Go to another scripture. First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 3. I'm just showing you a few things about giving and then I'll show you a very practical stuff. First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 3. Are we good? Praise God. Alright. right. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 3. Glory to God. Now it says... If I give all I possess to the poor and exalt in the surrender of my body, but have not love, I will gain nothing. If I give everything I have to the poor and I surrender even my body, but I have not love, I have gained nothing. So Paul tells us here that the foundation of giving must be love. The foundation of giving must be love. That if we give without love, then we have gained nothing. Come on, is someone here? What's the foundation of giving? Love. When I want to give to you, it should be done out of love. I shouldn't give to you because I want people to like me. I shouldn't give to you because I even want you to like me. I should give to you out of love. The foundation of giving is love. Faith works by love. So, giving is an act of faith. So, if I don't do it out of love, what, happen, what will happen? I've gained nothing. Even if I burn my body for you and I don't do it out of love, I've gained nothing because there are transactional giving. There are, there are, sometimes people can give you so they can manipulate you, sometimes people can give you so you can be under their control. Sometimes people can give you so that tomorrow when they ask you for something you cannot say no. So those are all wrong and dangerous motives for giving. We must have the proper motive for giving. And what's the proper motive for giving? Love. Everybody say love. Love. All right. John chapter thirteen verse thirty-nine. We're just going through scriptures and seeing a few things. John chapter thirteen verse thirty-nine. John chapter thirteen and verse thirty-nine. John chapter 13 and verse 39. Praise God. Since Judas was the treasurer, this was the last supper, and Jesus, uh, Judas went out. This was when Judas went to sell Jesus. <laughs> but you know, I always think of that story in my head, and I'm wondering, what happened? So you go meet, Jesus, meet the Jews and say, well, I've got the original Jesus for sale. How much will you buy him? 25 say no, this is the real Jesus. This is the one from heaven. (laughs) So Jesus. Okay. So Judas was their treasurer. Some third, which so Judas left when everybody was eating. Judas left. So he says some of the disciples thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. John chapter thirteen and verse thirty nine. So we find two things here. Uh, Judas stood up from the table And went out And when Judas went out The other disciples thought Only two things can happen If Judas left Because he's got the money back uh, Either he went to buy food Come on, I said John 13 verse 39 John 13 It's not up to 39 29, sorry John thirteen twenty-nine. Let me see Praise God Let me just confirm that. Okay, praise God. No, it's fine. It's just got my scriptures wrong there. 29. It's John 13, 29. Okay. Uh, Okay, yeah. 29. For some of them, um, supposing because Judas had the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we have need of for the feast, or else that he should give something to the poor. Right. So, only two things... Where uh, came to the mind of the disciples. What was the first one? Come on, what was the first one? What's in your Bible? What's the first one in your Bible? To do what? To pay for the things or to buy the things that were needed for the feast or to go and give what? Something to the poor. Now, now look at this. Now, three things we learn from this verse. Number one, Jesus had a money bag. So, if we want to look at Today's uh, today's word, we would say Jesus had an account. Are you there? Come on, are you there? We say Jesus had a savings account or a current account. And Jesus had an accountant. So, what this tells us about Jesus was, Jesus was not just spiritual, spiritual, multiplying money all of the time, or angels were just bringing him money. No, Jesus had a money bag. This is very important, because if you give everything you have, you, you will not prosper. The law doesn't teach us that. The law doesn't teach you giving everything and I'm going to bring some balance and I really hope a lot of people get this message make sure you spread it to as many believers as you know it's very important I feel this is a very important balanced message on the subject of giving so Jesus had a money bag and he had someone that kept the money so Jesus had an account if it were to be today's then number two Jesus paid for food Jesus was not always eating free food come on are you, are you seeing that in scriptures? It says to buy the things needed. So, if Jesus didn't have money saved up, with which money would Jesus buy things? Now, you remember again, the scripture says, all oh, to give something to the poor. So, the fact that you're giving to the poor does not mean you should not have money to buy food for yourself. Come on, am I, am I speaking to you now? Because some people say, oh, why don't they have? I've just given everything. I've just sown. I mean, we are reaching the poor. Now, how are you going to eat? The Lord that, that will prosper those who give to the poor will prosper me. The Lord doesn't teach us that. Now, there's a place for sacrificial giving, but we're not talking about sacrificial giving. We're talking about a consistent life of giving. Are you following this? So, what are the three things we learn from this scripture? Number one, you have to have an account. You have to have an account. And every time you go to the bank Don't say give me everything Don't withdraw everything Leave some money there That you can use to buy food Or some money That you can use to give to the poor So buying of food Is not an excuse not to give to the poor Giving to the poor Is not an excuse not to have money to buy food Can you see the balance there? So, it means that for every money that comes into my hand, I must be able to separate this is for food and this is for giving. If you are unable to make that separation, either giving or taking care of yourself will become a burden. That balance is very important. Even as a pastor, it took me almost four years of full-time ministry to learn that balance. Because then when money comes comes to my hand, oh this church member has this we would give, this one has need. we will give, because you feel guilty if you don't help, help, help everybody and I want to cure you of that guilt today your name is not El Shaddai don't take the place of God on the earth, you cannot, listen carefully to me, you cannot meet everybody's need including that of your family is that is that, is that okay we, we're going to deal with that because some of us live under that guilt and, and, and we live in an African culture And I understand it But we live in an African culture Where if your parents have helped you Or if your uncle have helped you Or somebody has helped you You are indebted to them For the rest of your life And if they ask you for something You don't give them They remind you Of when you couldn't go to secondary school And they paid your school fees And that was 30 years ago I, I, You know Our debts are unpayable and so because of that you discover that the older we get we have so many people dragging from us and we're never able to build anything and i'm going to deal with that don't deal with that now jesus paid for the food that he ate so jesus was not always eating free food go to first corinthians chapter 16 verse 2 first corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2 and it's important you look into your scriptures i really want to encourage you to look into the word and see the word If you have a hard copy Bible, underline it and look into your scriptures. We must encourage again the reading of the word. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. And as you look into the scriptures, the Lord will begin to also speak things to you. On the first day, Paul was speaking, he says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should put is to put aside and save. Somebody say put aside and save. Say it one more time. Say put aside and save. Okay. Put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. So Paul was saying, we're going to receive an offering. We're going to collect some money for the saints in Galatia. Verse 1. Concerning the collection for the saints as I've directed the churches of Galatia to do so. They were contributing to the church in Jerusalem during famine. He says, this is what I want you to do. On the first day of every week, I want you to take something aside and save up so that when I come, I will not receive an offering. And then that's when you're saying, oh, where's my offering? Ah, hey, I forgot it. No. What was Paul trying to teach us here? Paul was trying to teach us that giving can be planned for. Come on, say giving can be planned for. And I've, talked, and I've taught you here in this ministry, for instance, if you receive your, uh, your monthly salary... You can't say, this is my offering to the church. And in that way, you don't have to give change every time. You know, because in our hearts, when we say offering time, even though you say blessing time, your hand says change time. Am I right? Come on, let's be honest. Am I right? You have to deal with that psychology. Because every time we take offering, what comes to your mind? The lowest change you can put in the, in the pocket. Let's be honest. Except you have renewed your mind and you have trained yourself, if we say let's give offerings right now, and you bring out 1,000 from your, naira from your pocket, 500 naira note from your pocket, 200 naira note from your pocket, which one has the tendency to get into the offering box the quickest? 200. It's just, it's just. In fact, if you give one one thousand, we will know it's one thousand. Because you will raise that money, or you will speak to it, you will send it message. This is one thousand. You know, you are a big money. As you in fact, the way you would delay the prayer over the one thousand, we know that in your life, <laughs> that's a sacrifice. You know, but if you are a sal- salary earner, for instance, you receive maybe twenty thousand a month. You can say, well, I'd like my offerings to be three thousand above my tithe. And every time you get the offering, you give your offering for the month. Are, are you following that now? So you can, it says, put aside. You see, Christian giving is not, is, not, uh, is not giving of crumbs to God. It's planned. It's, and, and, and because of the way we have also trained believers, uh, we need to retrain them about giving. It says we want to receive an offering for the saints. But on the first day of every week, as the Lord has prospered you, take out something and save. So that when I come, it will not be rushed giving. So, what do we learn from here? Giving should be deliberate and planned. Write that down. Giving should be deliberate and it should be what? Planned. Come on, everybody say giving. Giving should be deliberate and planned. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, just a few pages. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. If we read from verse 1, it's talking about the saints in Macedonia. It says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Now observe this. Observe this. <coughs> the it says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. So there are times where you can give beyond your ability, where you can stretch beyond your ability. But observe that word. It must be willing. It must be of your own. Praise God. And the Bible says, out of their deep poverty, they gave. Let me tell you this nobody is too poor to give. You have to renew your mind concerning that. Nobody was born to be a receiver. You have to renew your mind concerning that. Because I see a lot of people, oh, I don't have, I don't have. No, if you keep that confession consistent, you will never have. You must learn to give. You must learn, you must train yourself to give. I started giving very early, very early. In fact, I remember, and I've said this many times, there was a time my mom sold this lace for me, lace materials. I don't know whether that's why I don't like lace till, till today. I, I, I've not... I can't remember the last time. Okay, I think it was during a traditional marriage I wore lace. I think that was it. And I think probably that was the last time, and most likely the last time I would, I'd wear lace. I don't know. But maybe that's where my uh, not loving lace came from. My mom sold this wonderful lace, and I went to a meeting... And the missionary, they were talking about how missionaries needed clothes and everything and everything. So I, I, I didn't want to give something. I was, I was young, maybe. Not that young, though, but young. And uh, I decided to give my lace as an offering towards the missions people that needed. And that was the best clothes I had, you know. So I gave that. And so one Sunday, my mother said we should all dress up. But he wanted us to wear the lace. So I said, oh, I gave it to a missionary. <laughs> my mother laughed. He said, when we come back from church, we'll talk. You know, all through the service, I was praying that the Holy Ghost would move. Because I know, when he said, when we come back from church, we'll talk. It's not, you are not having a conversation. When we came back from church, she took time to beat me. Her beating was planned. And she said, yeah, if I needed to give something, you know, of course, at that stage of my life, I needed to ask her permission to give. But what I'm trying to say is that even at that stage, giving... Was, was cultivated. You cannot position yourself in life to receive a loan. It's not a good place. You can give something. Praise God. It's not just about money. You can give your time. You can, you can bless someone. Praise God. I said praise God. Okay. So we can give money and our, our ability but it should be based on our willingness. Then, we can also give spontaneously. There are times we can give Spontaneously. 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 7 to 26 talking about the widow who uh, the widow Zareph. We must give. We can give spontaneously, but this should not be the way we give regularly. Our regular giving should not be spontaneous. Are you following what I'm saying? Planned giving should be a regular giving. Spontaneous should come in when the Lord uh, instructs you. There was a time in my life I wanted to do an investment and. Uh, the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, oh, sow this into the life of your pastor. My pastor is my dad. Sow this into the life of your pastor. That, that itself is also investment. You see, that's not the norm. That was an act of the Spirit. Spontaneous giving must be Spirit-led, both on the part of the giver and on the part of the receiver. And I want to balance that up. If you go to Luke chapter 4, verse 25 to 26, because sometimes... Pastor used the widow of Zarephath to raise money a lot. And say, during famine, give your last to the prophet and God is going to multiply. There's a place of giving to the prophet and giving to ministers of the gospel. We're going to deal with that. But look at this, verse 25. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. Observe that. There were many widows. When the sky was shot for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet, Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow of Zarephath in the region of Sidon. So, we find out that God specifically sent Elijah to that woman. So, if you are giving spontaneously, it should be that the Lord is the one dealing with your heart about that. Are you following what I'm saying? Come and talk to me now. Are you following what I'm saying? So you've got your plan given, but the the Lord begins to interfere on that plan and say, I want you to do something above and extra, or I want you to do something sacrificial. I remember when the Lord was leading us here to, to uh, leave Delta State and come to River State to plant the church, we had a car. And then the Lord spoke to us to minister the car, to, to bless one of our pastors with it. Told us the pastor to bless. And we had to do that. That was the only car we had. It, it does not make sense to go to a new place and you don't have a car. You're coming to plant a church. You should have a car. But we don't. We didn't. You know, we had, but then the Lord asked us to give. And since then, up until this time The Lord has blessed us with two cars That we didn't have to to buy Now, I cannot teach that as a doctrine It's an experience So, if I teach this And then you go tomorrow And take your one out bicycle And you you bring it to me And say, I want to sow into your life as a prophet Because you heard that I gave my car And I got two new cars You'll be frustrated You don't give because of my testimony You give because the Holy Ghost is asking you to do something you know, uh, Rema Bible Training Center, Kennehagen Ministries, a time came a missionary came and shared his testimony of how he gave and God blessed him with a car. Most of the students brought their Jalopy cars and sold it, expecting to get a new one. You know, some of us do that because we want to give God the junk so he can replace it. If the Lord is not asking you to give something specifically, do not give it. You don't just hear a testimony and go that way. You hear someone say, well, I closed my salary, I closed my account, and the next day I got a job and you have 567 naira in your account, you go close it. Now, sometimes it's not about the money. It's an instruction. So, the scripture clearly tells us there were many widows, but God didn't send Elijah to anyone. So, when God was sending Elijah to this widow, God knew he was going to supernaturally supply the widow. When the Lord asked you to sow specifically, I remember, I'm not going to mention... Names. I, I will give some personal examples, but I'm not going to mention names because I know if I do, sometimes people listen to your message and they want to replicate your testimony very quickly. I went to a large church in Lagos. I was a, I was a university student then, uh, my third year, and I went to a large church in, in Lagos and they had this meeting. And uh, I had saved up some money. I had saved up some money because I was going to Lagos. I mean, big city. I've saved up some money to buy a, a disc. Uh, what's it called now? Uh, was it disc loader then? Yeah, I saved up some money to buy a disc loader. It was one loader then. Remember when CDs started coming out? They had one loader. They had two loaders. You remember then? Yeah? So we had that one loader disc player. It was how much? Yeah, I don't remember. I remember 12,000. But I mean, if you had a disc loader in school, you were a big boy. I saved, saved up to buy this disc. Then I saved up to buy some shirts and some ties. You know, I had this whole money saved up. And I went for that meeting and myself and my friend we went to the market. We were shipped in Lagos. We bought the disc loader. We bought the clothes. We bought everything. I mean, we bought everything. And we, the mistake I made was to now go for this conference after buying everything. The first day, I heard the Lord say, lay everything down at the altar. Say, this cannot be the Lord. Can't be the Lord. This is the devil trying to derob me of my... You know, you know how you have bought the disc loader, you have bought music, you want to... You, you, are, you can't just wait to go to school and plug it. <laughs> and the second day of the conference, I heard it very clearly. I said, no, this cannot be the Lord. And uh, the third day, the final day of the conference, I heard, do you love me? I said, yes, of course I love you. God says, if you love me, I want you to plant everything as a seed. Amen. I cried to the earth. I cried. You know, sometimes when people are crying to give, you think that they are crying because they love the Lord. No. They are looking, at, so this thing is going. You know, the Bible calls it precious seed. It said, those that go with tears, bearing precious seed. Man, I cried. Because that all. In my mind, I was like, so why did I use all this money to buy clothes? All my clothes. All my ties. I, I saw the seed. And I gave it. <laughs> but, you, but you know what happened? Like I said, since that day, since that day till today, till today, I've never had to buy one cloth. I mean, I've lived almost all my life from that day. Everything I wear has been a gift. Everything. Every single thing. Now, don't go and bring your clothes on Sunday. All right? I say, I key into that testimony. Don't key into it. Just hear what I'm saying. What I'm teaching you is that if the Lord requires specific seeds from you, He would speak to you. Are you following what I'm saying? And then it will produce what? A harvest. But if I teach this as a doctrine... I'm going to raise frustrated Christians. Do you know why Christians are frustrated about giving money to church and giving? It's because of the way pastors have taught. If you give this way, this is going to happen. So they give, and they are human beings. They are intelligent. They wait and 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 nothing happens. They start getting frustrated. Are you following what, what, I'm, what I'm telling you now? So you must realize that the, the Lord will spontaneous giving will be spirit led. So there is spirit led giving, and there is what? plant giving. And that's very important. There's what? Spirit-led giving and there's what? Plant giving. The Spirit-led giving is the Holy Ghost instructing you to give certain uh, certain, uh, amount of seed or something. Now, observe this, please. I'd like to finish up this. Observe this. Very important. The needs will always be more than the income per time. The needs. The need to give would always be more than the income per time. theres I don't think there is any time in your life where you have enough money to cover all the needs that are coming into your life. So you must recognize this is an established fact of life. In Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 11, just write the scriptures down, you read them so that we can go, go fast. Okay? I'm going to read the scriptures, but just write them down so we can go fast. That time is already going. I don't know what we do with time in this part of the world. It's so fast. For the poor Listen carefully to this scripture For the poor shall not cease out of the land Therefore I command thee, saying Thou shalt open thy hand wide unto thy brother To thy poor, to thy needy and in the land It says the poor Deuteronomy chapter um, 15 verse 11 It says you will have the poor always So listen carefully to this And don't ever forget it Poor people will be constant in life You cannot eradicate poverty Because people are poor for many reasons there are many. There, just as there are many factors that contribute to success There are many reasons that contribute to failure And poverty Some where they were born Some who gave birth to them uh, Some people who are poor today If some other parents have given birth to them They will be in wealth Are you following this? So there are many factors So what I'm trying to say is you, 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 The scripture clearly tells us that the poor you would always have with you So it's, it's an established fact of life That would always have people who are in need around us So, you have to put that in your mind. That this thing is constant. Even if you help all the poor people today, tomorrow you still need to help them. So it's constant. And this will also help you to deliver you from certain levels of guilt. Because most of us give out of guilt, not out of love. And it took me time to learn that. Matthew 26, 11, when the expensive fragrance was given to Jesus, Jesus says, The poor you would always have with you, but you will not always have me. See, Jesus distinguished that. He says, listen. They say, why didn't you sell this and give to the poor? And listen, I want to say this very carefully and listen very carefully to my heart right here. Most times, people criticize when you give to the rich people, to wealthy people or to preachers or to pastors. And they say, why are you giving to pastors? They already have much money. Why are you giving? Why don't you give to the poor? Listen to me. Giving to the anointed or giving to someone who is wealthy or blessing somebody who already has and not giving to the poor is not against scripture. Sometimes you have only a short window of opportunity to sow into the life of that man. Uh, I think in February, January this year, I was, I was at the KCM Ministers Conference and uh, some of you saw that picture on social media that I took with Andrew Womack and uh, as uh, we were in the meeting the hall together and he came for the meeting so I saw Andrew Womack coming and I, I mean he's been of a blessing and I just wanted to sow into his life and so I looked at everything I had I took all the money I had with me just looked for an envelope put it, went and I just said thank you for being a blessing to the world and I sowed into his life that's not the time for me to, to look for somebody who is hungry and say no Andrew Womack has all the money in the world Uh, why will I give to Andrew Womack when there's somebody hungry here? you will be hungry We will solve your hunger later Andrew Womack I don't always have with me hungry people, they're everywhere no, I'm telling you and, and I want to be very forthright in this teaching because sometimes we are scared of saying the truth but that's the truth there are certain people you don't always have the opportunity to minister to them so when that opportunity comes nothing is too much to give to them the queen of Sheba bypassed a lot of poor people to go and give to Solomon. Because we mustn't come to this place in our life where the guilt of eradicating poverty go, um, is so strong in our heart that it, it, it fights kingdom giving. Are you following what I'm saying? So you you might be in a a meeting, you might meet someone, you might want to be of a blessing to a minister, and that is all you have at that moment. Jesus says, you're going to have these people with you. But me, you will not always... So that woman recognized a divine moment to give. There are divine moments to give, and you've got to take advantage of that. Are you following this now? Okay. If you look at the Mark rendering, how Mark renders it, it's very funny. Uh, But interesting, Mark 14, 7 Mark 14, 7 The poor you will always have with you And you can help them whenever you want But you will not always have me Mark clarifies it He says, look at this, he says And whenever you wish, you can do good to them But you don't always have me Are, Are you following what I'm saying? So listen carefully, there are people in your life you might not always have But then you want to bless them You should go ahead and not feel Oh, but this one is hungry Oh, but this one don't have You can't solve everything you must take. I remember many years ago, I was in a, a meeting in Lagos, uh, Winning Ways, uh, 2001, by Matthew Shumala. And I had, I've told you the story before, and I had uh, 100 now, that was all I had for that meeting. And I saw Reverend Sam, at the Day Christmas Center coming very far. And I was like, I want to sue into this man's life. <laughs> My friend said, you cannot. Huh? I mean, you had all this protocol, everything. I went to hide under the staircase of where the, Preachers were coming. Down. As it was coming up quickly, I just nailed down and put the 100. I didn't even have an envelope. I tore a sheet from my jutter and I gave. Let me tell you this. I have been a permit me to use a, I don't want to use that word, but I have been a very radical extra vegan giver since I knew the truths of giving. I mean, I've given. When we were to get married, one of the things my wife my wife my wife was told by my mother. is said just you know, I know my son likes ministry. Say, but just pray that he does not give you and the children away. My mother knows that there is nothing I can give. And absolutely, till tomorrow, there is nothing. There is nothing I can't walk away from in ministry. Why? Because the truth of generosity has been revealed in my spirit. But as I began to mature, the Lord began to also balance this truth. And the reason I'm giving you these examples, you don't need to be wealthy to give. Some of you don't give because you feel what you have is too small. No seed is too small to sow if you're led to sow it. The widow gave two mites. The scripture says she went home justified. Never despise your seed. That's one of the truths I learned from Mike Mudok. Never despise it. I started partnering with, uh, with a ministry I partnered with consistently for the last 19 years. I started partnering with 100 naira a month. 100 naira a month. Then I went to 150 then I went to 250 air Constantly, for the last 19 years, I've been a consistent partner of a ministry. Never missed a month. Why? Because in consistency lies the power. Um, Proverbs 3, verse 27. Let's do this quickly. Wow, time is going. Proverbs 3, 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to act. When it is in your power to act, you know, people quote this scripture and they stop only in the first verse. Do not withhold good to whom it is due. But the scripture says, When it is in your power to act, sometimes it's not in your power. You must recognize, I want to do good, but I don't have the capacity. You know, I had to tell someone the other day, I said, Listen, you really want to do good, but you must be honest with yourself. You don't have as much money as people think you have, and you need to be honest. Are you following what I'm saying? You want to be Father Christmas in June. Why not wait till December? Do <laughs> you get the joke behind that. There's a time where you can be Father Christmas. June is not a good time. Are you following this? He says, when it is your power to... Can I do this? Can I, can I really help at this time? And because we live in a society that will crucify you if you don't help. Let me tell you this No matter how you help someone No matter how you help someone The day you don't help them You've made yourself an enemy So don't go about What will this person think They will think whatever they want to think Praise God Now Galatians 6.10 Galatians 6.10 Therefore As we have opportunity Let us do good to everyone As we have opportunity, observe that word again. As we have opportunity, a set time, as as the opportunity comes, the opportunity will also be rendered as the power in Proverbs as we just read. If it's in your power to do it, if you have the opportunity to do that. Let us do good to everyone, especially to the family of faith. Can you see that? He narrows it. He says, okay, you want to do do good to everyone, but you see, you've got to focus on the family of faith. You've got to focus on your brothers and sisters in Christ. It narrows it down. It gives us that, 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 uh, that narrow gate there. Then Galatians 6.6. 6. I want to... Wow. Well, let me see how this goes. Galatians 6.6. 6. Those who have thought the Word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. And this is very important. Galatians 6.6 6 is not a suggestion. It's an obligation of the believer. That if a man is teaching you the Word, the Scripture says you should share all good things with that man. Now, all good things doesn't mean money. It just means all good things. And you must learn that. You see, I've always, I've always lived this way. I've always given to my pastor, who happens to be my dad, and, and the ministries that bless me. There was a time in, in my home, my wife and my kids, they loved a particular ministry. They were listening to this ministry constantly, listening to their TV program that my kids and my wife were they were just blessed by this ministry. I mean, I was blessed by them, but not as blessed as they were blessed. They were more blessed by, by the ministry. You know, they did that for like three, four months. And you know what? For every single month, I sent that ministry an offering. We sent them an offering. Why? Because they are teaching my children the Word. My the, They are blessed. They, the, that ministry is blessing my family. And according to the Scriptures, if they are blessing my kids, they are blessing my, my family, in that sense, I have that obligation to do what? To bless, the, to bless them back. You know why? Because it was because people bless them that they are in a position to bless my family. And that's something you must recognize. Sometimes, even as a pastor, and I, and I recognize this and the Lord has helped me to really deal with it. Sometimes as a pastor, it is other ministries that the Lord has raised up that would minister to your family. Are you following this now? Come on, are you with me? And so you must respond in that way. It's always been the way I've lived. Sometimes I listen to a, a, a teaching like this. I listen to a minister like It's a blessing. I send an offering. Why? Galatians 6 six. taught me the Word. If you have a local church pastor that teaches you the Word, you should do that. You should. I mean, it's an obligation. It's not a suggestion. It says, Let them who are taught the Word of God provide for their teachers. It's an obligation. Praise God. And you know, most people are afraid to teach this because they say, well, you are the pastor. You are teaching so that you collect. And the question is, what is wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Because it's the truth of God's Word. And we must not shy away from teaching the people the truth because sometimes we feel that I don't want people to think I'm after their money. I don't want people... We now take out truths of God's Word. Just put the truth the way it is out there and allow the truth to speak for itself. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. Now, Ecclesiastes 5.11 Ecclesiastes 5.11 So those who are taught in the word of God should provide for their teachers Sharing all good things with them So what you tell your teacher every time is not more grace Say more grace Ah, more grace ah. ah, Don't do more grace It's good to say more grace But it didn't say those who are blessed by their teacher Should say to the teacher more grace No Are you following what I'm saying? You pray for your teacher and you bless your teacher with all good things Don't say, ah, you are blessed, sir. You know, finish teaching a hot, powerful, edifying message. Say, let's stretch our hands to the man. (laughs) Say, oh, Father, the virtue that has left him replace it. God knows he's going to replace it. You just do Galatians six six. You see, it will be, it will be, it will be more. It will be. I wanted to say it will be fasterly replaced than. Okay, (laughs) Ecclesiastes five (laughs) eleven. The more you have, look at this. The more you have. The more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. You know what it says? It says the more you have. More people will come to help you do what? Spend it. So what does it it tell us? It just tells us that the more wealth increases, the more people will place a demand on you. Let me tell you. Immediately people know you have money. They are going to ask you all kinds of outrageous needs. So what do you do? Practical now. Let's go practical. What do you do? Number one. Divide your giving into four. Okay, so let me start by this. Number one, what do you do? Divide your finances into a percentage. Divide your money into a percentage. So let me give you an example. For instance, 10% is your tithe. I still believe in the tithe and I teach the tithe. I don't teach that God curses people, but I think tithing is a basic foundational giving. You should tithe to your local church. Give to your local church. Keeps everything running. So 10% is your tithe. I'm giving you an example. You can say 20% is your giving. You can say 20% is your giving. For example, this is an example, okay? You can say 30% will go to your um, expenses at home. You can say 30% will go to your expenses at home. You can say 20% will go to your savings and then 20% your investment. So if you put all this percentage together, you realize that you have what? 100%. 10% tied, 20% given, 30% will go to your expenses, you know... 20%, 30% 20%, 30% expenses, 20% savings, and 20% investment. The first thing you need to do if you want to be a disciplined giver is to separate what portion of your income you want to give. As a family, we give 40% of our income outside of our tithe. So we give tithe 10%, and then 30% of everything that comes to us in this life goes into giving. And what, how do we manage that We have an account we call the seed account, the giving account. So it's simple. You can open an account where 20% of everything you want to give, you just send it immediately to that account. So you know in your mind what is in that account is what I have for giving. Do you understand? You can practice that That's what I do So we have an account It's called the seed account So whenever we have money We put in our percentage Of giving into that account We we'll call it the seed account So for instance If I have the 50,000 In that seed account And somebody asks me For 50,000 Except I'm, I'm really led I'm not going to give you 50,000 Because that's, that's all the money I have for giving And I know this is not The last request for the month So what will I do? I'll give you whatever I think is Commensurate to your need In that sense With that budget Now Over times, the Lord has also led us to give over and beyond. But remember what I'm teaching you. I'm not teaching you spontaneous giving or spirit-led giving. What am I teaching you? Consistent, disciplined giving. So this is, you should have this plan. And then if the Lord leads you above it, it's fine. It's better to have a plan and not have a plan at all. Are you following this? So, you can have that account. It's called the seed account. So, immediately somebody asks you. So, for instance, if I have 50,000, somebody asks me for 50,000. I'm not going to give you 50,000. Because if I give you 50,000, then that seed account is depleted. And then the next person who comes for help, I don't have anything to give them. Okay? So, I operate from that seed account. So, you cannot divide your giving into four quadrants. Would that be a quadrant now? One, two, three, four. Would that be a quadrant? Or what would that be? Okay. Yeah. You divide your giving into four quadrants. Number one, family immediate and extended family. Have the family giving quadrant. Someone say all of this for just giving. (laughs) You know, you have the family uh, giving quadrant. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, you know what we're going to do? Our time is up. We need to close now because of the coffee. So, uh, I think I'll pick this up next Wednesday. All right, so that we don't rush it. Is that okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you give us wisdom and understanding in this direction. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads please visit www.pastormax.ng We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or you can call 805 7575 God bless you.